Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the opening of a new series, God Loves Blank. And each week we're going to fill in those blanks and it's going to just help us so much. And today I decided to call this and teach this first, and I think we needed to, God Loves the Church or you, the Christian. And I know we kind of know he loves us, but I think until the day we go to heaven, God's going to keep opening up our eyes. His love is so amazing. It's so bulky, so big, and so deep, and so wide. So we'll have fun as we do this. I really believe this is what enables us to walk free in every single area of our life. Until we understand it, we won't be able to walk in the freedom that Christ purchased for us, right? So I'm going to begin with a Joe story. And what's amazing is I didn't believe God loved me the way I'm going to teach today, the way the Bible says it. I was probably over 10 years old as a Christian, which means I was pastoring believers. What do I mean by that? My understanding of the love of God was performance-based. In other words, if I perform, he'll love me. If I don't perform, I still get to go to heaven and you know, that's all great, uh, but God doesn't love me. He's kind of upset with me, and I, I think of the era I grew up in where maybe your parent would give you a backhand, you know, uh, for misbehaving, um, or you know you, you just didn't have their approval, even if they didn't do that. You just knew they weren't approving of you. And so I had this performance mentality, which is pretty common even in churches like ours, right? So we, we want to help us see at a higher level. Um, But I grew up Catholic, and whether you you grew up Catholic or you grew up in a traditional Protestant church, uh, they kind of taught, and I'm not saying they were bad, but they taught performance-based love. If you perform, God will love you. And that's because they took Old Testament principles and brought them into the New Testament. And so in case you don't understand that, God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were there over 400 years. They were slaves. He delivers them. They're they're in the wilderness, and God takes their leader, Moses, into the mountain, and and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And there's lightning and there's thunder, and God gave him the Ten Commandments, but also the law, and the law was brought in. And so the Jews that were alive when Jesus walked the earth, they were under the law, right? And the thing about the law, the Ten Commandments are good, um, they're true. We, we can obey them, but we obey them differently. We, we grow in here, and we're sanctified, and we can obey them by the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. But the whole purpose of the law, if you read your New Testament, the Apostle Paul, gave, God gave him uh, literally three-quarters of the New Testament to write, so he wrote as the Spirit told him. And in the book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians, and the book of Romans, he literally told us, this is what your New Testament says, that the purpose of the law was to show us we were worms, we were no good, we didn't qualify for heaven, and we could never go to heaven in and of our own works. And the Bible says its purpose was to lead us to Christ. And the idea was that you and I would come to the place to where we, we just said, you know what, I can't do this on my own. And then there's a Savior, and he did it all for us. And if we accept him, then God accepts us. And a lot of us see that part, but we don't realize 
performance isn't to be brought in to the church. Should, should we live for God? We, we, sure, we should. Uh, should we become more and more like him and sanctified? Yes. But it's not based out of fear. It's not based on performance. So I couldn't see that, and I did not understand. It took me years to understand what I'm going to teach you today. And it's the source of all freedom. You'll never be free in God until you can see it. It's what enables us to grow and become mature and overcome all those things that we struggle with. So I'm going to have some fun as I go through this. I created a big idea. That's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it's bulky. The reason I made it bulky is because the love of God is bulky, right? So here's the big idea. I want you to understand more clearly than ever. God loves us with an unconditional, unequaled, unending, unbelievable love. And I want to go over those. So keep that on the screen for me. Before I do, Jesus is walking on the earth. And at the time Jesus walked on the earth, the universal language for all countries was Kone Greek or simple Greek. So 300 years before, Alexander the Great, head of the Greek empire, uh, he said, traditional Greek is way too complicated. So he had his scholars create simple Greek. Uses the same uh, uh, dictionary. Um, It's different than modern day Greek, but he had them create it. So Jesus spoke Bible Greek or simple Greek, Kone Greek. He spoke that. Um, the Septuagint was written in that, so that's, that's the Old Testament written into Greek. They wrote it in uh, Kone Greek. And Jesus literally created a word. He created the word agape, which when the Bible says God is love, it's the Greek word agape. The reason he had to create a new word is because there was no word in the Greek dialect to describe God's love because no one ever experienced it. All they experienced is the law, which was meant to show them they need a savior. So they didn't understand how much God loved them. And that's why your Bible says, God is love. And it talks about love. So in your Bible, when you see the word love, the New Testament, it could come from one of four Greek words. And we're just interested in one. It's a word Jesus created because this earth never experienced the love of God. And you and I need to become more and more aware of it. So when you talk about Kone Greek, you talk about agape love. Here's what you want to understand. It's unconditional. It's not based on your performance. You don't have to earn it. You receive it through the grace of God by faith, and it stays with you. It's unequaled. There's nothing on the planet like it. It is amazing. It's unending. That means it's eternal. And I like this next one. It's unbelievable. You're going to need God's help to understand it. That's how unbelievable it is. And we'll see that in just a moment. So I hope to open up our eyes to this big idea. I hope for us to walk out understanding God loves us more than he has ever loved us. And I've been praying for this weekend. And sometimes when I pray, God just shows me in my heart um, some of the types of people that are going to be here. And, And one of the things he showed me is there's a lot of Christians who have been far from God. You've wandered in today, and you don't feel worthy at all, right? And, and this is a day where God wants to restore you by helping you see his love. And I prayed for you, and I really believe this is going to be an amazing day. But you know what? Even while you've been far away, even while you've been unfaithful, God still loves you. 
And that's what I want you to walk out seeing. And that's what makes us want to live for God when we understand that, right? So we'll have some fun. I have some different points I want to bring out. Here's one of them. God loved us before we were born. I think that's really important. Um, I like to say it this way. God loved terrible Joe before he met Jesus. He loved me. He loved you. Uh, Before you ever took your first breath, God loved you. And most of us know this, but let's remind ourselves over in Borman here in Warren, TCI, online, TV. Let's remind ourselves, guys, God created time, and he lives outside of time. That means he can see the beginning all the way till the end. that's, That's why your Bible's packed with prophecies. Some of them are thousands of years old, which means God, God said something was going to happen thousands of years before it did, because he, he sees everything, right? Uh, he's God. And so he saw unborn Joe, terrible Joe, that was teenage terrible Joe, and he saw all that, guys, and he said, you know what? I, I'm still going to die for that guy. I'm going to love that guy. And he loved you before you were ever born. Let me show you a cool scripture. It's amazing. He loved humanity, even knowing they would, they, they would reject Jesus and crucify him. Listen to Ephesians 1.4. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. I think the message does such a great job here. We were on God's mind before he even created the world. That, that, guys, that means Adam and Eve, none of us, humanity wasn't here, right? And he still saw us. He knew what he was going to do. And it says, and he knew they were going to sin. He knew they'd eat the forbidden fruit. Think about that. It says, and he settled on us as the focus of his love. Have you ever thought of yourself as the focus of God's love? God loves you as much as any other being on planet Earth, and some of you have a hard time accepting that, but it's true. It goes on. He loves you as much as anyone. He loves no one more. It goes on to say, he made uh, to be made whole. We're made whole, and we're made holy by his love. When you understand it, it will make you whole, and it will make you more and more holy or Christ-like. And I just think that's the most amazing section of Scripture. So if he loved you before you were born, if he loved you, listen to this, uh, Romans 5, 8, while you were still a sinner, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so... God loved us even when we didn't want him. And we'll be saved from his wrath. I used to really worry about the judgment day, like when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Even as a Christian, I worried about it. And I still wondered, you know, in my early Christianity, am I going to make it? Or is God going to look at me and say, Joe, I just can't let you in. You've just... you." You've blown it too many times. And I'd worry about that day and worry about that day. And then as I've grown in the love of God, I realize, oh, wait, I get to go in because Jesus paid the price and Jesus took my sins and my punishment on himself. So no matter what that day looks like, I surely want to hear like you do, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we get to go in. I don't know about you, but that excites me. We get to go in because of God's love. And the fact you accepted Christ, which he helped you see and accept, it's an amazing thing. And so while you were still a sinner, he loved you. The ultimate act of love is to die, and he died for you. Listen to this thought. God loves us so much we need his help to understand his love. And that's where I put unbelievable, right? 
That's how much he loves you. If you want to do something fun this week, if you've never done it, uh, Google or whatever search engine you use, Google prayers of the Apostle Paul. And he prayed all these prayers in the New Testament. And every one of them will come up. And then you go read them. You can pray those prayers over yourself, over people you love. They're model prayers that are amazing. So we have the Our Father. But these are also Bible prayers you can pray, right? And in one place here, we're going to look. He's praying for us. And I want you to see how he's praying. So it says, Ephesians 3.14, when I think of all this, this is Paul. And, and can I stop just real quick? If you read the verses above, here's what's happening. He's saying, I was a sinner. I threw Christians in prison. I had some put to death. I was super religious, but really far from God, and yet God saved me. And he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He says, I'm overwhelmed with the love of God. And then verse 18, he says, and may you have the power to understand. That means God opens your eyes up, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. Notice, we need God's help to understand it. You'll never understand it yourself. Why is it so important to understand? Well, you begin to walk in freedom. You'll have some joy and peace because you realize God doesn't want to slap you upside the head. But I, I like verse 19. Uh, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, then it's so important. When you understand it, here's what's going to begin to happen in your life. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We'll never be made complete or spiritually mature till we first understand the love of God. That's why I thought God loves the church needs to be the first blank that I put in there. God loves you. It's unconditional, guys. And he loves you so much. And then I like this promise, verse 20, now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So if we take it in context, you can bring it into any part of the Bible, but God's going to take you and I further than we ever thought in understanding the love of God, and it's going to be by him doing it. But it's where all freedom comes from once we begin to understand it. Now, I love this next one. It's really powerful. God loved us so much, he made us his holy children. Now, you know, according to the Bible, when you accepted Jesus, on the inside, the real you, your spirit man, which looks like your body, only it's the real you inside your body, which is a shell. When your body dies, your spirit keeps living. If you're a Christian, it goes up, right? Uh, guys, um, you became a child of God by birth. And I love what Romans 8.15 says. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's just an endearing term. When you understand it, you'll just begin. Your worship will change. You're like, I can't believe. I can't believe you accepted me the way you did. But notice it's talking about the spirit of adoption or adoption. And you and I know adoption according to our culture, which is really cool. That means that if you're adopted, your parents picked you out. They chose you. I always say, and I still believe it, if my mom and dad could have taken me back and to get another child, they would have, right? Because when you're blood-born, it's, it's just like roulette. You know, you don't know what you're getting. 
It's child roulette. And my brother Mike and I were such stinkers. Uh, uh, we were so bad, so rebellious. We did so many things that embarrassed my parents. I'm telling you, it was terrible. I felt so bad for them once I accepted Christ, and then I had my own kids, and I thought, I hope none of you are like me. I hope you're like Gina. And, uh, and they all were like Gina. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Um, none of them were like me. I don't know why. I was a rebel, right? And, and so uh, adoption to us means picking someone, choosing from in, in the Bible word here, adoption, it doesn't mean that. It means that God uh, takes a child, or in the Bible days, you would be somebody's child, and you would come to a certain age, and they would put you into what we're seeing as the word adoption, which means the Father gives you the keys to, to his kingdom, or you inherit the Father's kingdom. And that's what it's referring to. How do we know that? Well, that's what the word means, but the very next verse confirms that. Listen to the very next verse. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits, and I'm praying he'll bear more and more witness with you, uh, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. And all that means is we don't deny him, and we're going to talk about denying in a minute what it really is. Um, we just keep believing no matter what this world throws at us. But can we go back to verse 17? You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? When you accepted Christ, you became an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. That means you're going to heaven. Heaven is your inheritance. Eternal life is your inheritance. You cannot work for inheritance. We'll be rewarded for how we live our life, and I think our lives will be more productive the more we understand how much we're loved. But guys, the Father has given you the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. You are an heir of God and the joint heir with Christ Jesus. He paid for your sins. He took your punishment. And you're going to heaven because of what he did, not because of what you do. And God loves you because of what he did and what God put on him, your punishment. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And that should change your week. That should change your month. That should change your year just to realize, oh, my goodness, I can't work for this thing. God gave it to me. It's an inheritance. He loves me not because of my performance, but because I've become a child of God through Christ Jesus. This next point, life-changing, guys, goes like this. God loves us so much, he'll never let us go. This is really important. I call it eternal security. And, and you know, we, there's two points of view, right? You have Calvinist and Arminian, two different points of view. And I kind of believe a lot the Arminians believe, but I believe a lot the Calvinists believe, and then I disagree with the Calvinists in some areas. And you know what? Thank God we can, we can all grow and have our opinions, right, in, in God. But uh, one of the things the Calvinist believes is in eternal security, so I believe in that. But they would go so far as to say uh, you could never lose your salvation. And I would say, well, that's true, except... There is one thing you could do. You could deny Christ. And what does it mean to deny Christ? I'm not talking about Peter's wimpy denial. Remember Peter? That was, that was not what we're talking about. Uh, Peter, Jesus is being uh, scourged, you know, hit with the whip. And he's standing outside. And a little slave girl goes, aren't you one of his disciples? He says, no, never met him, never met him. And he, he said that three times. And then remember the cock crowed. And, and, uh, and Peter was so hurt by that. He realized, oh, Jesus told me the cock would crow after I denied him three times. And yet, did he lose his salvation, guys? Didn't Jesus come back 
We would call that being unfaithful. It's different uses of the word deny. But I'm talking about this. I know a couple pastors that have done it, and I know a few Christians that have. And if you have ever denied Christ the way we're talking, you wouldn't be here. You would go nowhere near a church. You would not listen online. You would not listen on TV. If you're clicking your TV when you saw a preacher, you'd probably cuss at me. And not that that hasn't happened before. And then, and, and then, and then you'd keep going. You would never stop and listen. What, what does it mean to deny him? First of all, you have to walk in deep sin. Then be deceived by the enemy. It's not just deep sin. Be deceived. And you come to a place in your life where you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he isn't Lord. And you really mean it. You're not telling this to people. You're saying it to Christ. So a Calvinist would say, yeah, people can do that, but that means they were never a Christian. I would say, yeah, I know people that were. I know pastors that were Christians that came to that place. No, they were Christian. And so it's just a little minor belief. But you might say, why are you bringing it up in this lesson? Because I want to read something to you that's going to have that in it. And I want you to see that is almost impossible to do. But let's have some fun now. You guys ready to have some fun? Uh, John 10, 28. Jesus says, I give them Christians eternal life, and they will never perish no one can snatch them away from me. Mm. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. And whenever I read this, I think of Dennis Haysbert. Do you guys know who Dennis Haysbert is? Uh, 24, remember that series, 24, uh, you know, Jack Bauer? Uh, the president, the first two years in that series, that was Dennis. He was the president of the United States in that show. And he's the Allstate guy. And he's the one that says, you're in good hands with Allstate, right? Has the greatest voice ever. And, and uh, I just love him as an actor. He, he, he's just been in so many shows. And I love that image. Of course, I don't own uh, Allstate insurance, by the way, so I'm getting no kickback. I, I should get a kickback for this. So Allstate agents, send me a kickback. Okay, so listen, guys. I just imagine that, but then I imagine it's God. And God looking at you and looking at me, and he says, you're in good hands with me. And he said, nobody can pluck you out. You know what else he said? It's not said, but it's understood. I'll never throw you out. Isn't that awesome? And that's what he's saying. You're eternally secure. So I agree with Calvinists on that point. I do think there's one thing you can do, but it's almost impossible to do. I know a few people that have. Um, but the reason I shared all that you're in good hands is because I want to go to the next part, another verse, uh, and, and it is so powerful. It's so powerful. Take a look at this, guys. 2 Timothy 2.11. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. So if you accepted Christ, you were crucified with him. That's the real you. You were raised from the dead. That's the real you. You're a new creation. So you're going to live with him. Right there, we could stop and say, I get to live with him because I accepted him. But listen to verse 12. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. That just simply means you don't deny him while you're being persecuted, etc., etc. But then he says, if we deny him, we, he will deny us. That's awful. But I wanted you to understand what it means. You have to believe in your heart. Confess from He's not Lord. Here's the part we're interested in. This is how much God loves you. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny who he is. Greek, he cannot deny who's his, right? Who's his. You're one with him, and he cannot deny you. But would you look at that? Keep that up there. If we are unfaithful, what does it mean to be unfaithful? It means our performance is down, right? 
It means maybe that a Christian walks away and keeps living in sin, or, or they keep falling, they keep struggling with the same thing. And guys, we can feel like God doesn't love us, but would you listen real close? If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. And God will always be faithful to you whether you perform or not. And knowing that he'll be faithful to us causes us to want to perform. I mean, I don't know about you, but it just causes me to want to live for God. As a matter of fact, um, I answered the call of God on my life, which was to pastor, but that's not the call of God on all of your lives, right? We all have, God's called all of us to do different things, but I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. I do it because God's love is so amazing, I want other people to understand it. I want other people to know how good God is, and I want them to know where God wants to take them and how far he can take them. And in the Bible, that's called a bond slave or servant. And so the Apostle Paul brought this out. But in Bible days, if you were enslaved or a servant and you were let go, there were slaves that said, you know what, I like my situation. And so they said, I still want to stay with you. And then they would put a mark in their ear and they would become a bond slave, which means I'm here by choice. Now, the Bible says that the Apostle Paul and you and I, that we are, if we want to, we make ourselves bond slaves. What does that mean? Jesus, I know I'm free. I know I don't have to perform. I know I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. But I love you so much. I am so thankful for what you did for me. I want the rest of the world to find it. So in whatever capacity I'm going to serve, I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm not doing it because I have to perform. I know I'll be rewarded, but I'm not even doing it for the rewards. I'm doing it because you're just that good. And I'm going to give you my life, and I'm going to serve you so I can set other people free and help them be set free. I don't know about you, but can we give a big amen? up to God. That is awesome. And that's the place God wants to bring us to. So Jesus is in the upper room. It's the Last Supper. They're celebrating Passover. He's going to be crucified. And they get in the upper room. And you know what he does? He grabs a bucket and a rag, and he kneels down, and he begins to watch the disciples' feet. This is before dinner, right? He begins to watch their feet. And they say, no way, Jesus. Only servants do this. You can't wash our feet. And he says, I have to. I have to. And if you just think about it, these are 12 guys. And they're in sandals. And they're walking through dusty, dirty, arid climate. I bet you they didn't wash their feet for weeks. It had to be a really stinky moment, right? But Jesus bows down. He's washing their feet. And when he's finished, he says, do you understand what I just did? And like I would, they go, yeah, sure. yeah, we do. And then they're looking at each other. What did he just do? Why did he do this? He should have never washed my feet. Boy, I wish I would have cleaned them before I came in here, right? And, and all that. And then Jesus said, me being your master, if I washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. What does that mean? Well, as we walk through life, don't we get dirty? Doesn't life mess us up and get us dirty and get us off track? He says, wash all that dirt off your brothers and sisters. And then it also means have a servant attitude because the greatest act of love is to lay your life down for another person. So he was giving us an example. It's a great example. And then after all that, I'm going to read to you what he said. You want to hear what he said next? It's, it's powerful. Uh, and, 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 and I said it this way. God's love in you is waiting to come out of you. So God placed this love in you, Right? It's inside you. It's waiting to come out of you. And then listen to this. This is what he said next, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, 
that you love one another. The word new means that which is new, which replaces the old. That's what that Greek word means. And so the Ten Commandments are still true. We should follow the moral law. But you know what? If you follow the law of love, the Bible says you obey all the Ten Commandments automatically. So we want to pursue and begin to walk at this level. It says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So he says, I want you to love each other as I loved you. And here's what you have to know. The love of God is already inside of you. It's on the inside of you. And God created you in his love. Now, now let's go to Romans, guys. Romans 5.5. 5. Take a look at this verse. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in the Christians in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God has poured that love out inside of you. I say this way. God gave us a double dose. Uh, we're created in his image and likeness, so love is part of our nature. We're not part of the Godhead, but it's part of our nature. And then the Holy Spirit flooded us with extra doses of God's love. So all that love's in you, which means you and I can love just like Jesus loved us. It's inside of you. Now let's go back to John uh, 13. Look at verse 35. By this, us loving one another... Uh, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And I think about this. You know how we talk about, uh, many of us, we're looking for God to do a great revival in America. And I really believe he wants to. And a lot of times we think the gifts of the Spirit will bring it. I, I believe in them. They're powerful. I want to see more of them. But you know what else is going to help that come? He says, the whole world will know you're my disciples. How? by us loving like he loved. And we, you have the ability to love like Jesus loved. And I really believe as the church matures and grows in the love of God, the world's going to look at us and say, there's nothing like... The way they treat each other, they're different, but they love each other. They're, they're different ethnicities, but they love each other. Um, they, they, this person believes the scripture this way. This guy interprets the other way, but they love each other. And I really think, guys, the world is so hungry for this agape love. When they see it displayed in us, it's going to blow their gaskets. And I really see us as having grown in it. But the more we grow in it, guys, the more this world's going to be one. And here's what's exciting. This is why I did this last segment. It's inside you, waiting to come out of you, the love of God. And so often we read 1 Corinthians 13 and it says, love is patient and love is kind. and love, love treats people right. And we read that often just in guilt. The way you ought to read it is you should say, that's what's inside of me. That's who I am. And that's when you'll begin to go up to the next levels spiritually. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you excited about how much God loves you? Are you excited about the love of God? Are you excited that he loves you, not based on performance, but just simply because you have accepted Christ and you're in Christ? And over in Boardman, guys at TCI online in the chat rooms here in Warren, can we give it up one more time and just say thank you, God? Thank you that you love us. Thank you. And those are, those are intense claps. You guys did really well. That means you're excited about us love. Can we bow our heads? Can we pray? And first, I just want to pray for us, the Christians, guys. And Father, thank you for opening up our eyes further and further to how much you love us. Father, thank you that Jesus took our punishment so we could take your love.
Thank you for growing us, helping us see the love of God. And heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, some of you right now, you came in here far from God, and God is saying to you, I've always loved you. I've loved you when you were unfaithful. And I will always love you. And he's ready to slaughter the, you know, fatted calf like the, uh, the, the Bible story. He's ready to put a ring on your finger, uh, a robe on your, your, around your neck. Because that's how much he loves you. He's been waiting for you to come back. But he's never rejected you. He's always had you in his hands. He's always loved you. And I really believe there's many of you that are, today's the day you're coming back. And I believe you're back to stay in the love of God and following Jesus because you realize how much he loves you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Keep praying. Let God minister to you. But maybe you're with us today and you walked in and you weren't sure of your salvation. And maybe you thought God could never save someone like me. Or maybe you were more religious and thought, I do more good things than bad things. But now God's opening up your eyes and he's saying to you, man, I saved you through Jesus. You could never work for it. But if you accept me, I'll save your soul. And, I'll, and, and all this love will become true for you in your life. So if you're listening, you know, the Bible says he died. God raised him from the dead. He died for all of our sins. And whoever accepts him, God will make one of his kids. If you're listening, you say, I'm ready for that. Would you pray with me right now? The rest of us, can we help them? Just simply say this after me in Borman, here in Warren. And guys, let's help them. And it's a big moment in their lives. Say this after me. Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained. And I need a Savior. I repent of my sins. And I look to the answer. Jesus. This day, I declare with my mouth, from my heart, Jesus, you are Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Give me the grace that I need to follow you. Open all our eyes to how much you love us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving the sinner and the church. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.